just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Jersey Jump Shot, the first and only podcast dedicated exclusively to New Jersey college basketball. I'm Jerry Carino, and with me is a longtime colleague, Steve Edelson, who spent Thanksgiving weekend at the Palestra, the Cathedral of College Basketball. We'll get into that in a bit. But first, our special guest this week, Princeton forward Zach Martini joins us. Zach is a senior starter for the Tigers, who are 6-0 and knocking on the door of the Associated Press Top 25. Zach played a key role off the bench on last year's Sweet 16 squad. He hails from Warren in Somerset County and played his high school ball at Gill St. Bernard's. That's important because you need a Jersey guy in the lineup. And he's an English major, so we have that in common. Zach, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jerry. I didn't know you were an English major, too. That's uh, that's awesome. How about that? Two English majors yeah. talking basketball. I will, we'll talk English major in a bit. Uh, I have to ask you, in a belated happy Thanksgiving, as the, the Jersey guy in Princeton's lineup, how was your Thanksgiving? Did you have players over? What was served at the Martini House? Give me the Thanksgiving breakdown, the scouting report. Got you. Um, we had we had an extended Thanksgiving. We had about eight of my teammates over the house, um, being we only had Thanksgiving Day off. We were played at Old Dominion the night before. So, um, yeah, uh, big family. My mom's side of the family is Polish, so we had uh, sauerkraut and kibasi on the table for the spread. A lot of guys did not know what that was, but they were – Oh, boy. Yeah, That's too yeah. bad. They got an education coming to the Martini House. Yeah, uh-huh. they, they they tried it and it was uh, went well. It was received well. So good. Eight guys. That's a pretty big Thanksgiving table. Did one turkey do the job? No, we had two actually. So my my mom was prepared. I, I told her for a while we'd have a big Thanksgiving. So good job by Mrs. Martini. Let's give her a shout out right now. That is a very well done. Uh, all right, Zach. The Associated Press top twenty-five poll just dropped. For uh, Monday, uh, November 27th, Princeton got 14 points, uh, you know, several votes, a few more votes than last week. You know, you moved into the top 40 or so. Make the case for Princeton to be to bust into the top 25. We're just we're playing with a lot of belief and confidence in each other. And it's carrying over from last March. Um, We have a lot of guys returning from that team last year and this we're on a program that really takes in transfers. So we know who we know who we are and we know, we know how to play with each other and play off each other. Um, and we're really uh, hitting our stride early on in the season. I think we uh, deserve to be up there and it's an honor to get the votes right now. We're receiving. Hey Zach, Caden Pierce is, is averaging a double double this season. Mm-hmm. What is it about him? Are there any stories from practice or anything you can share? I mean, just how physical is this guy? Um, I won't. I don't have a particular story because it's an everyday thing for him, really. But um, one thing that coach will do is when we're watching film, is he'll pause. He'll pause when he high points to get the ball, and you just see how high in the air he gets to rebound the ball. And it's like, it's 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 honestly it's fun to watch. Um, and he does it consistently every day. Uh, 
just really a good eye for the ball, good knack where it's coming off the rim, and he's a stud athlete, which always helps. So um, it's it's nice. It makes my job easier. I just try to box that because I know he's going to go grab the ball and out of the air. So, All right, so he's a sophomore forward who is a rebounding machine. And, uh, Zach, speaking of coach, Mitch Henderson, of course, the last time Princeton started 6-0 and was Mitch's senior year in the backcourt for the Tigers. The oh, wow. fabled okay. – the fabled 1997-98 team, which wound up becoming rising to number eight in the AP poll, uh, can Mitch Henderson still play? Has anyone challenged him to one-on-one or horse? Give me the scouting report on Mitch's game at this stage. <laughs> I haven't seen uh, Coach play, but I've I've heard sto- uh, infamous stories about him playing Charlie Bagan, a fellow Jersey player on our team, um, Don Bosco prep guy. Right. He graduated two years ago. Supposedly they would play one-on-one and get in some battles. But um, one thing Coach does is, and um, he'll he'll love hearing this, He, whenever someone throws a pass that's like an an errand pass, he'll jump in into our like dummy offense and just throw the most crisp routine pass right on the money in the shooter's pocket. Um, So his passing game is unmatched, I would say, right now. All right, good to hear he's still sharp. Who who yeah. are you putting your money on in horse, Mitch or Matalaco? Sight unseen from Mitch, obviously. You said you haven't really seen him shoot much. Uh-huh. Uh I would put my money on Matt because Matt Matt is not gonna go easy on him, even though he's the coach, even though he's twenty years his senior, he's going to win no matter what, even if it's Coach Anderson. Yeah. All right, there you go. That's my gut instinct too. But you heard it <laughs> yeah. you heard it straight from the inside. Uh-huh. No offense. Sorry, Coach. Yeah. <laughs> Zach, how how frustrating is it that it is so tough to get high major teams to play you guys during the regular season? Yeah, it's um, it it can look at it two ways. It's one way; it's almost a sign of respect. Uh, Maybe that's us being naive, but I think we kind of interpret it that way sometimes. Um, But then when we do get to have that game, I think we have a pretty good track record of holding our own and even. Went in defeating those guys. Um, it definitely is defeating though, because we want to prove that we're up there. We you know we're we're getting the votes right now, and it's maybe we're not playing teams who are also getting those high votes. So it is a little frustrating in that regard. But um, yeah, it's it is it is we can t- kind of take the high road and take it as a sign of respect that maybe we're not the mid major per se. Some people think we are. Good way to look at it. And, uh, you know, going back to Mitch's 1998 team, they opened the season with – they played Texas, NC State. They won all these games. Texas, mm-hmm. NC State, Rutgers, Wake Forest, uh, and they and they lost to North Carolina. It was the only regular season game they lost. They had those five high majors on the schedule. Wow. So, yeah, how about that? And that's why wow, Mitch, yeah. that's why like Mitch is so outwardly frustrated with the scheduling mm-hmm. process. But it's a good way to look at it. Speaking of – you know, savoring or seizing the opportunity when you do get it, Zach, mm-hmm. uh, the opportunity to finally play Rutgers after 10-year hiatus and then to win that game and a really well-played game, I thought. What was that like for you as a New Jerseyan? Oh, it meant, uh, it meant, it meant the world to me. That was a game I had circled on my schedule for a long, long time. Um, when I found out we were, we were getting the game, I was just super stoked because um, just to kind of – Play it. Play a team that's from New Jersey and never was recruited by Rutgers. Um, played against their starting center Cliff my whole high school career and never got to beat him. 
So um, it was a little personal for me. Um, and it was just, it was a blast being on the floor playing with them and proving that Princeton can belong with the big guys like Rutgers. Um, yeah, it was awesome. I, I hope, I hope the game continues. I know um, coach Henderson and coach, I think coach Pike both said that they want the game to go on in the future. So I really hope we're able to pull that one through and continue that. We all want it to continue. There's no yeah, question about yeah. that. Zach, yeah, speaking I, of, of yeah. playing teams like Rutgers, you know, last year in the tournament, you know, what was it like to beat, you know, teams like Arizona and Missouri? And I don't know, do you, do you think they were surprised by your level of play and your level of physicality out there? Yeah, I mean, um, one of Arizona's players straight up um, went out and <laughs> told me like two minutes left in the game. Um, we might we were knocking on the door. Might have been down one or tied, and uh, their their guard number number zero, Ramey, told me he's like, "Damn, you guys are pretty good." So I mean, like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I mean, I guess so. Um, so yeah, I think um, it's it's uh, like those guys they're they're shocked, but we we have this um contagious belief and spirit that we can pull it off and we were able to actually pull that into fruition um but it even though even though we might believe like even though we might believe that seeing it actually happen and the shot clock the game clock goes off and we're on the winning side of it it was it was crazy um the arizona game that was crazy but then you win that arizona game and then that contagious almost naive belief becomes like ramps up even more and the Missouri game really, Oh, we're winning this game. Like there was never a doubt that we were winning that game, that we were going to lose that game. Um, and I think Missouri led for like 30 seconds of the game. Like that was, we were just, we were totally bought into winning that game and it showed it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. Is this team better than last year's or can it be better than last year's even without, you know, like a superstar player, like, like Tosan? Um, it, I'll, I'll get back to you, um, March 5th, if we, <laughs> when we're in the tournament or not. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun right now, uh, seeing a lot of the accolades and a lot of the attention that, uh, our team is getting. And it's, it is, like you said, it's a very different team. Um, but I think at the end of the day, uh, a two-bit Ivy League would be great, but I think, um, winning the Ivy League championship and then that's a good way to measure or not, if we were better. A two-bit Ivy. See, Zach brings yeah. it up. He knows where it's at. Zach, yeah, the Ivy yeah. League is off to an awesome start. Yeah, I was watching uh, Yale, Yale and Harvard yesterday. They were both right in the thick of things against uh, Yale, played Rhode Island, and Harvard, in, Indiana. Indiana, Indiana, Harvard, yeah. And they were both great games, close games. And then Penn so. takes down Villanova. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's It's – it's fun. I mean, I got it's to see also, the Penn freshmen this week. They're, they're very good. Penn, yeah. Penn's not bad. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it's an eight, eight team league. There's nowhere to hide. It's a competitive league. So, it's going to be a gauntlet slugfest as usual. All um, right. Two bit Ivy. I endorse that concept, by the way. So, yeah. uh, let's let's get back to that. Look, if Princeton, right. Princeton represented the Ivy League so well last March, and based on what's happened at a conference, why not? Why not have multiple Ivy League teams in? So, that's. Definitely something yeah. to consider. Uh, good job, Zach, bringing that up. All right. <laughs> yes, thank you. you got, let's start a campaign. Uh, if I Let me ask you about a guy you know well who, who recruited you to Princeton, Brett McConnell, Princeton's associate head coach. 
Mm. Uh, such, such an integral part of what's happened here with the Tigers. If I was an AD at another school and I called you to give a job reference for Brett, what would you say in 30 seconds? Give me like the elevator pitch as to why Brett's okay. ready to be head coach. Um, Brett is super knowledgeable, personable, approachable, works very hard at what he does. Um, and there's he's got this um, – this great uh, attitude, great spirit to how he approaches the game and how he approaches relationships with us, the players. Um, and he's just, he's someone I'd want on my corner wherever I am. Um, and to be honest, I'm really surprised that he's still our coach. I thought he might get a head coaching job, but selfishly, I'm super glad he's still here with us because, um, yeah, b- behind the scenes, he's an integral part of what we do. All right, there you go. One Jersey yeah. guy and another Jersey guy. Mm-hmm. You know, Zach, we all know, you know, academics are such a big thing at Princeton. Give us a story maybe that encompasses that, the, the balancing of the books and the basketball and trying to balance that whole uh, yeah. daily life. Um, so last year we were in Sacramento for the uh, first two rounds of the tournament. And we were there for like a week. We were there for like Monday through Sunday, flew back Sunday, and then we had to leave t- for Louisville, Kentucky, I believe we left on a Wednesday. Um, so we just got we just got back from Sacramento. We're leaving for Louisville in two days, and I had two papers due on Friday. That was the the night we played Creighton, the Sweet Sixteen. <laughs> and my one teacher didn't know that my my one teacher was t- totally oblivious to what was going on. Oh no! <laughs> Did not know like knew knew I played basketball because I miss I was missing. I had to miss some class sometimes just for traveling away games, but didn't know what was happening like currently with the team or our status in the tournament. Um, so I did not receive an extension just because that was just um, maybe a bit unlucky. Um, but the other class, I did receive an extension. Um, I was able to get my papers in. Um, so I, I, had to, I had to do a paper that was – I had two days coming back from Sacramento to do a paper before we went to Louisville to then go prepare for Creighton. So it's um it's a lot. And it's a lot. There's a there was a video that went kind of semi-viral on Instagram, social media of um some of the freshmen doing math homework that was due at midnight in the Louisville hotel. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there's I mean, but you you, you know that going into Princeton. Um right. so it's it is what it is, yeah. All right, Zach. What grades did you get on those papers? Um, let's see. I I, I had I was uh, I had a three point six GPA last semester. So good I, for um, you. I think I would probably would get in the B plus A minus range. Yeah. All so, right. Good yeah. job. And yo, to that professor, man, wake up, March Madness. Come on. <laughs> Look out the ivory tower. All right. So good job with that. Following up on that, I'm just fascinated about this. You know, uh, you're an English major. Uh, got a favorite book. Tell me your favorite book and why. Um, I, I give you a favorite author, uh, Franz Kafka. Uh, probably my the favorite Metamorphosis. Author. Yeah, yeah. Metamorphosis, The Trial, um, The Castle. He's got a, a story called a Report to an Academy, which is a pretty interesting story. Um Favorite book, um, No Country for Old Men by Cormac McCarthy. Good movie, um, too. Phenomenal movie. It might be Great an movie. even better movie, which hurts me to say. But um, <laughs> favorite 
his um i would just say mccarthy's like his pros it's very um sometimes it's just very short very simple um very cutthroat you, you might not might not have like your necessary uh quotation marks it just kind of progresses along um he's a very um unique style about his writing but then like his earlier works like have you ever read blood meridian if you heard of that book it's one of his first books the way he writes is totally different in that book um super elongated sentences run on sentences of and um very vivid imagery very different than his later stuff all right blood meridian it's on my summer well, reading well, list for 2020 uh, it's not a very it's not a very pleasant books for the summer so <laughs> <laughs> that's the only time, free time i got zach all I, I right know, I, I know i'm sorry tell us about your senior thesis every senior at princeton writes uh a, a in-depth thesis that's just short of book length uh what's the topic for you where are we at with that um so i really uh enjoy uh films by a director called david lynch um he has a few films um called the three I'm looking at are called Blue Velvet, Mulholland Drive, and Lost Highway. And I'm really interested how they work with uh, dreams and memory. All, all three movies have um, a character that really like kind of embodies the uncanny, um, which that's what really fascinates me. When something um, kind of appears to be real but might not be real, it's something there's something strange about it. Um, you can't really tell whether it's, it exists or not in that world. Um, yeah, I don't know if I lost you there, but no, you, I'm with you. And you know what? You know what appears to be real and is real, Zach? Princeton basketball as Absolutely. a contender on the national stage. Absolutely. No metamorphosis there. The Tigers are good. They were good last year. They're good this year. Coming up at Bucknell Wednesday, home versus Furman Saturday. Right. Zach Martini, right. standout forward, scholar, uh, man of the world. Thanks for joining us on the Jersey Jump Shot. Yeah, thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Steve. This is a lot of fun being here. Appreciate it. Thanks, Zach. Thank you. All right, Steve. We got some really interesting guys uh, playing college basketball in the Garden State. It is amazing, really. Everyone's got a good story to tell and uh, and some good players, too. So uh, it's a nice season so far to start off. It makes it fun. So thanks to Zach for coming on, talking not only basketball, but books and the whole college experience. Uh, that's part of what we try to bring you a little extra insight on the on the podcast. And we're going to try to continue with these athletes as guests if we can, because it's been a lot of fun. Uh, so thanks to him and to Princeton uh, for him coming on. So, Steve, you uh, were at the Palestra for Monmouth, three games in three days. First, give me your impressions of the Palestra, and then we'll talk about the Hawks. Yeah, Palestra, obviously, just incredible. You know, you always, the first thing you do there is you walk around and you just do the complete loop around the building and look at all the, the historical, the pictures, the words, you know, everyone who's played there, coach there, high school, you know, it, it's amazing. Uh, so, you know, that, that kind of sets the tone for the whole weekend. And, uh, you know, so again, I had not been there in a little while. So always nice to go back and, and, and spend a nice weekend there. Love it. Uh, what do you think of the Hawks? They got, they went two and one, got a quality win and now four and three on the season. What do you think of their performance over the weekend? I think their performance the first two days was very good. You know, I mean, listen, you're going to hear from Belmont this season. They're very good. They were picked fifth in Missouri Valley, but I think they might be even better than that. You know, they have a kid, Cade Tyson, 
that I, I know they're worried about just keeping him. He's a sophomore, first team all Missouri Valley Conference preseason. He was might have been the best player in the tournament. Other than Xander Rice w- w- was very good. But, um, you know, so so you had them. Mammoth played really well to beat them. Then Mammoth beat Lafayette in kind of a, a, a slugfest. And then they had to play Penn. And, and, and Penn had lost to Belmont the day before. And they were not going to lose two straight on their home court. They, they really played well. They had four freshmen combined for 46 points. Wow. You know, so – so kind of as the ghosts of the past are swirling around the palestra, you get a glimpse of the future of Penn basketball as well with these kids. You know, they're going to be very good. So, again, a very competitive tournament. I think it was good for Mammoth to get out of there 2-1. and one. Penn went 2-1. and one. Belmont went 2-1. and one. Uh, So it was a very competitive event. And, uh, you know, Mammoth Ma- Mammoth comes out of it 4-3. and three. You know, Mammoth won their fourth game on February 4th last year. So, yeah. Perspective. Um, they're in pretty good shape, relatively. And l- listen, they've got some young talent. Xander Rice was top ten uh, going into the going into the game yesterday in the nation and scoring twenty two point six points a game. Uh, so you know, Mammoth Mammoth's young, but they're competitive. I think that's the difference this year. Right, and Mammoth is at Cornell Wednesday, continuing the their Ivy League uh, run here of opponents. Cornell, also a good squad, coached by Jersey guy, Shawnee High School grad Brian Earl, who, of course, starred on those great Princeton teams in the 90s, along with Mitch Henderson. So another another test out of the Ivy League as Mammoth continues to tune up for uh, CAA play, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, this is uh... – this is not the year to play th- three three <laughs> Ivy League teams. You know they've already lost to Princeton and Penn, and now they get a five and one Cornell team that was picked to finish third in the Ivy League. Uh, so you know it, it's another test. But again, Monmouth's been very competitive. I expect them to be very co- competitive in that game. All right, two bit Ivy. You heard it straight out of Zach's mouth. So uh, Seton Hall coming off an zero and two feast week, mm-hmm. travel to San Diego. Uh, they played pretty well against 23rd-ranked USC, but lost by eight. They did not play well in the, in the second game against Iowa. Uh, lost again there. They were underdogs in both games, so the losses are not really a surprise. The performances were pretty uneven, and the, the key thing, the takeaway was for me, is that Seton Hall's guards had a rough time. You know, we've talked about other areas of concern for Seton Hall, their front court, which played pretty well, their bench, which they've had, you know, a guy – uh, come, emerge as a pretty solid bench player and freshman Isaiah Coleman. It was the guards who was supposed to be really the heart of the team who had a rough weekend. And I guess my question for you, Steve, as Seton Hall, you know, at four and two comes home for a tune-up against Northeastern Wednesday before a big week at Baylor and then Rutgers at home. If you're Shaheen Holloway, do you do you make a lineup change against Northeastern, even if it's just a one-game change to send a message? Do you insert this freshman Coleman who's played really well? Uh, do you sit somebody or do you sort of just, you know, ride your upperclassmen and, and hope that they snap out of it? What would be your your take on how you'd handle this? I mean, you saw the hall in their opener. What do you think? Yeah, and I watched those games from the West Coast. Listen, I, I think you have to do something because I think, as you said, that was the biggest takeaway was that Al Dawes and Kadari Richmond didn't step up as the level of competition went way up 
for this team. And that's what has to happen for these guys to, to survive some of the, some of the games they have coming up. So I think Shaheen Holloway is going to have to reach into his bag of tricks here and come up with something. And maybe it is sending a message, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, getting other guys in the lineup in the rotation and, and, and trying to jumpstart and maybe get a little energy going in that backcourt. Yeah. So this is, you know, I don't think it's time to panic at all for Seton Hall. I mean, they, they struggled early last year as well. You know, feast week, they went one and two. They had a loss to Siena. They wound up playing much better in Big East play, went 10 and 10. Uh, nothing really changes my for, in terms of my, what I thought this team could accomplish. I had them as a as an eighth place team in the Big East, an NIT team similar to last year. I think that's still the same after seeing the games out West. I do wonder if, uh, you know, Shaheen's philosophy will change going forward. He had a line that said, uh, and it was post-game radio interview where he said, this is a long way to travel for two losses. They had a really rough trip out there, like a 12-hour odyssey to get out to San Diego on Tuesday. And I do wonder if this is the last time they will play on the West Coast in Feast Week, if it's up to him, you know, it's up to Shaheen. Next year, they're booked uh, 2024 to, for Charlotte Classic in South Carolina, which has been good to them in the past. It makes a lot of sense. It's an A-team three-game tournament typically. I know Pirate fans did show up. You could hear them. You could see them in San Diego. They do really travel well with the Booster Club and their and their fans on Feast Week, which is always a bonus. But I wonder if – you do wonder if the philosophy will change. Are we going to really travel that far on Feast Week in the future? Uh, but, yeah, this is a get-right week for the Hall. Uh, whatever Sheen does, you know, they have to get ready for what is a really a crucial week on the schedule after this. It will be interesting to see what he does. You do like uh, Isaiah Coleman. He was Big East Freshman of the Week, Rookie of the Week last week as a wing. He's shown you a lot energy-wise, finishing at the 10, being disruptive on defense. Uh, They do have some injuries. Will we see David Tubek, the freshman forward, who was supposed to be a big part of this rotation? It sounds like he's been practicing. Will we see him, you know, get a cameo at Northeast against Northeastern to brush up for the big week ahead? That would make a lot of sense. And Elijah Hutchins Everett, who sat out, has been sitting out with a concussion. You know, he did make the trip to San Diego. They were hopeful he could play. He didn't handle the travel well with his, with the concussion is what it sounds like from based on Shaheen Holloway's comments in our interview with him. So they could use all hands on deck as they try to write it. But it's early. And, uh, you know, you, you would hope those guards play better. You would think they will. Uh, everyone's allowed, a, you know, a bad weekend. So we'll see. We'll be watching that closely as we as we go ahead, Steve, and the schedule for Seton Hall. Rutgers. Rutgers has St. Peter's tonight, then Illinois at home Saturday in the Big Ten opener. What we're watching for is the return of senior forward Mawat Mag, their defensive ace, their glue guy, who went down early February with an ACL injury. It's been just about 10 months now. He's been cleared now for about a month to play he hasn't played because he, he hasn't felt ready to play. And this is the world has changed, Steve. Like you, the world you and I grew up in, you know, the world Steve Peichel, Shaheen Holloway, the current coaching crop grew up in has changed where it was like, all right, the doctor said, you're good. Go put your helmet on and get in there. Uh, Mawat is going to play when he's ready. That's the way the world is. And you can understand that. I mean, it's his knee, it's his body, right? So we're watching for that. And you know what a difference he could make, even in limited minutes, which he'll, when he first plays, it's, he's not going to play 30 minutes. It's going to be limited. The guys have played in 10 months, so it's going to be limited, but you know what a difference he can make. 
Yeah, and that to me that was the biggest factor in Rutgers' demise late last season was his loss, and and it could be the the biggest factor in in a rise of Rutgers as this season goes on and he gets healthier and and gets kind of reincorporated into the lineup, you know, because that's the kind of presence he can have, especially on the defensive end. So yeah, I mean, seeing him back will I think will be a great sign for all Rutgers fans. So we don't know for sure, but will he get a cameo against St. Peter's in in and a brush up, you know, sort of a debut for a bigger role against Illinois. We'll find out. Uh, but Illinois is ranked 24th in the Lady State P poll. They come in as a as a juicy opponent in the Big Ten opener in Piscataway Saturday. Interesting historical tidbit for you, Steve. Steve Peichel is four and one against the Illini at home. The lone loss came way back in 2018. So Illinois Rutgers has had their number in this building, and Illinois, you know. This is the same. We've said the same thing about them for the last several years. They have a lot of talent. Like talent-wise, they stack up ahead of most teams in the Big Ten. The whole doesn't always equal the sum of the parts. Uh, they have, they have gotten, they have tucked their tail between their legs in the rack before when Rutgers makes that run and the crowd is going nuts. You kind of find out what teams are made of, and Illinois has not shown you much as to what they're made of in the past. Now it's a, it's a different team. But I like this matchup, even though Rutgers is an underdog on paper. I like this matchup as a Big Ten opener for Rutgers and a chance to really have a high buzz resume building win. What do you think? Absolutely. Hey, listen, it's the rack, right? Anything can happen here. Rutgers, Rutgers is capable of beating anyone in the rack. And as you said, Jerry, you do find out about teams. But I, I think what you see is you see it year after year with teams. You know, you come in here. And, and, and you know it's going to be tough. And I, I think it's in, in some teams' heads, you know, that right. they just know how tough it is going to be. And they're they're not looking forward to coming back to the rack. And I think maybe Illinois is one of those teams. Yeah, because you've seen you've seen Iowa come into the rack and win. You know, you've seen you've seen uh Seton yes. Hall come to the rack and win. You but you see like you've seen Indiana fold, you know, like a cheap suit in the rack, and you've seen you've seen Illinois fold there. So you're right, it is in some teams' heads. So we will see if that remains the case. Also, we'll see about the merits of the nine-day layoff that Steve Peichel you know, had his team take. Nine-day game layoff. They obviously practiced. Um, he just wanted to fine-tune and get healthy and rest. So we'll see the merits of that this coming week as things ramp up for the Scarlet Knights. Uh, Princeton, by the way, not looking like a bad loss for Rutgers. I mean, that's going to be a quad two, probably at worst a quad two loss for them. So maybe that does help continue the momentum of the series going forward that Princeton is now this metrics bonus or at least metrics neutral for them. All right. Uh, St. Peter's, St. Peter's is one and three so far. They're at Niagara and Canisius Friday and Sunday. You know how brutal that upstate New York trip is when you, and to open Mac play like that, that's a pretty big challenge. It certainly is. It's a long bus trip, you know, and then it's a, you know, you got the long bus trips coming back. So uh, no one looks forward to that. And honestly, if you can get out of there splitting those games, yep. uh, you know, it's usually good. FDU is 4-4 four and four after dropping two high-scoring games against Jacksonville and Robert Morris. Really wild games, you know, into the upper 80s and 90s in a two-game event out in Moon, PA. Uh, they're at Fordham Thursday and at NJIT Saturday. Look, league, league play is where it's at for FDU, obviously, but – it would be nice for them if they could get a split this week at Fordham. Won't be easy. And at NJIT is a nice rivalry game, local rivalry, and you like to see the Jersey teams play each other. So we'll see. FDU, it's still 
still sort of coming together for them defensively, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, as you said, it's all about getting ready for league play. And, you know, I, I, I'm just not worried about FDU. I think they, they've got some good guards. They've, they've got some talent throughout that lineup. Um, yeah. I, you're going to take your lumps early on, but I think they'll be good. Good in the end. NJIT is one and four after losing to Wagner uh, by 13 at home. Uh, Grant Billmar did get his first collegiate win as a head coach at, at NJT on the board earlier against Delaware state. They're at George Mason Wednesday. And then, like we said, home against FDU, interesting local game Saturday. I'd love to be there, but obviously I'll be at Rutgers, Illinois, but I'll be keeping an eye on that score. And then riders one and four so far without yeah. a division one win. Now they've played some high majors, but uh, surprising. Out Stony of the Brook loss was bad. What's that? They lost to Stony Brook, I saw. Stony Brook. That was the last loss. Correct. Stony Brook yeah, was that, the, that was a bad loss. A little bit of a little bit of a bad sign. Uh they're at Maryland this this week and then at Siena to open league play. Siena is usually one of the better teams in the MAC. Will be again this year. So like Ryder, you know, time to get moving a little bit, Steve. So kind of a mixed bag for the Jersey teams. Obviously, Princeton is the headliner right now. Uh so great to have Zach Martini on and Mammoth, pretty good weekend. Promising stuff from them. Interesting week ahead for Rutgers. So it's it's heating up, Steve. The calendar is going to be December soon. This is our time of year, right? The Jersey jump shot is in full swing. Thanks for listening. We will be back next week to talk more Garden State hoops. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.